Chapter 2 of Fly Like a Witch, Maddie's Magic Markers by David Mark Lopez is called Not by the Hair of My Chinny Chin Chin. Okay, Maddie's top five rules for time travel. One, first, don't panic. Take a few minutes and several deep breaths to get your bearings. Then panic. Two, try to figure out where in the world you are. There appears to be absolutely no rhyme or reason to where the markers decide to drop me. Head for anything that remotely appears like civilization. Not as easy as it sounds. Three, try to find someone famous. This will help you find out what period of history you landed in. What will be it this time? Cavemen? Pirates? Circus performers? Spies? Headhunters? Aliens? How about a really cute football team? Doubtful. Even better, a shopping mall. Four, avoid being eaten. Imprisoned, drowned, frozen, burned, kidnapped, stabbed, shot, knifed, or otherwise murdered. Rule number five, Find the magic bead and get yourself home. Oh yeah, I forgot the most important one. Kill dad for giving me you these insane magic markers. A cold gray steely dawn stretched out in front of me with ribbons of pink and orange dramatically rising as each minute slowly passed. It was definitely cold. My breath was making me making little smoke signals. Thank goodness I was still wrapped in my fleece pullover and my down jacket. My hiking boots were snug and tight. I wasn't going to freeze to death. So far, so good. I appeared to be in a pretty thick forest that rose and fell around me in an irregular layout. I started hiking up a hill that gradually got steeper to get a better view. The squirrels ran and chittered ahead of me with the early morning news. The trees were bare and the dead leaves crunched under my deliberate steps. I skidded on the occasional patch of snow. At first, I tried not to make too much noise, but it was nearly impossible with all the underbrush, so I gave up. As usual, I thought I heard something in the background, but whenever I stopped to listen carefully, I heard only the chirping of some early birds. Good luck with those frozen worms, guys. There was a clearing at the top of the hill, and I picked my way around some rocks and boulders to get onto the top. When I saw the smoke rising from a distant building, I knew I was on the right track. Those buildings were hopefully only about a mile or two ahead. I could already taste the crispy bacon and the scrambled eggs. I turned and started down the hill. It was almost too easy. Dad would call this a moderate climb. If it wasn't for my heavy boots, I'd be skipping right now. The snarling gray 100-pound eastern timber wolf standing smack dab in the middle of the path took my breath away. He was magnificent. The grizzled fur on his back was standing straight up and he was hunkered down with his forelegs splayed out in front of him. Time stood still while I remembered what I had read about wolves in the Mizpaz Springs Library. Canis lupus lycoa once roamed from New England to the Great Lakes. White Mountain Survival Guide, Volume 1, page 37. 
His hypnotic light blue eyes were locked on mine in a prehistoric stare down. When was the last time this guy had a good meal? Food. Large hoofed animals such as deer, elk, and occasionally smaller animals. Page 38. Ugh, that would be me! Trouble in doggy land. I slowly started turning my body in anticipation of a full-blown sprint down the hill to who knows where. The low-throated growl gurgled from his throat was both impressive and bone-chilling. Without moving my body anymore, I painstakingly turned my head and took in my surroundings. Wolves live and hunt in packs a hierarchy of dominant and subordinate subordinate members within the pack assist it to operate as a unit. Wolves talk to each other by vocalizations, facial expressions, and body postures. Page 40. My slow 180 degree head turn revealed two slightly smaller females on either side of me, one ghostly white and the other black and gray, both about 20 yards away. Almost on cue, alpha male directly in front of me threw his head back and let loose a blood-curdling howl howl that made my bones ache. During his primal scream in stop-action photography, I stood stooped down and picked up the biggest rock my trembling fingers could find. In one motion, I stood and fired a side-armed missile aimed right between White Fang's glacier blue eyes. He dodged the stone effortlessly, but it gave me the two seconds I needed to make my death scamper down the hill. Wolf Family United followed in deadly deadly pursuit. An adult male Timber wolf can reach speeds upwards of 35 to 40 miles per hour during a chase. I learned that on page 41 of this book. These silent, efficient hunters wasted not a single ounce of energy barking, snarling, and otherwise indicating just how close they were. Sheer blind terror drove me forward. I instantly recognized this wasn't anything like escaping from dim-witted dogs. These top-of-the-chain food mammals were professional killers, the hitmen of the animal kingdom. The only incredibly slim chance I had for survival was to get somewhere they couldn't reach me. The slightest mistake doomed me. Survival instinct guided me. Out of my peripheral vision, I spied potential salvation when I reached the bottom of the hill. A sheer rock wall jutted out from a thick glade about 30 yards to my right. I made the sharpest right turn I have ever made in my life and felt a snapping wolf glance of, off my back. I nearly lost my balance, but I sprinted towards the wall with the wolves keeping, steps on both si- keeping step on both sides of me. Ten seconds to go, with the the fortuitous tree line of hard woods on both sides, saving my life every step of the way. Three feet before I leapt onto the wall, the ghost wolf darted between two saplings and ripped my snow pants and threw me off balance. 
I hit the wall sideways, but somehow managed to find a grip with my left hand and kicked another wolf as I slammed into the granite face of the cliff. I desperately clawed the air for another handful, kicking, snarling, and flailing wolves out of midair. Somehow my right hand miraculously found another outcropping, and I hauled myself upwards. One flying desperado leap from a nearby boulder, locking his death grip jaws on my right boot, I tried to shake him free, but he just wouldn't let go. I strengthened my grip and slammed him into the wall about six times before he finally gave up. My adrenaline took over and I finally scrambled up to safety about 20 feet up. I was shocked to see at least 12 wolves impatiently and silently pacing the ground below. They definitely weren't used to seeing their quarry get away. No sign of the steroid wolf, but who cared? I stood up and punched both of my fists into the air and screamed into the frosty morning air. Take that, wolf pack. If you need some breakfast, try Dunkin' Donuts. I never saw the big bad wolf coming. He silently leapt through the frozen dawn, slamming into my right shoulder with one of his, with all of his massive 100 pounds. Kablooey! I had absolutely no chance of keeping my feet. My house of straw collapsed and I fell headlong off the cliff into the hungry pack of wolves. I managed to roll forward as I fell, but an unimaginable sharp pain pierced my knee as I hit the ground. The wolves surrounded me immediately in a feeding frenzy, frenzy, silently tearing my swaddling clothes to pieces. In mere seconds, they would be at my vital organs, ripping me to bloody shreds. I did the best I could just to cover my head. So this is what it feels like to be eaten alive. Black death hovered over me, reaching out. I just never knew he wore a cape.